Hey beautiful, welcome to Unapologetic at 50. I am your host, Sharon Fields. This is an uncapped community discussing real life issues. In your 50s, you have the right to say, I have no time for games. Never regret in the past or apologizing for wanting a better future. Join me and special guests as we discuss topics and provide tools to navigate our midlife challenges. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unapologetic at 50. I am so glad to be here with you today. I have someone special that has a special message to share with all of us today. Her name is Leah Baez. She is a award-winning journalist, amongst other things. I was looking at an article and it was talking about her graduating. And as I started to look into it even more, I was like, wow, this is a phenomenal story. You know, all of us are going through things in our lives and it doesn't matter what age you are. There is something that you can glean from everyone else's journey. So the story that she is going to share with us today has nothing to do with your age. I just want to say that again, share this with people that you know. There are so many people that are going through things and they've been going through it for a long time, but they haven't shared it or they don't have that community. So that's something that we're trying to build as well on Unapologetic at 50. Don't get caught on the number. This is about building communities and living a better life. So, you know, I could talk for days and y'all don't want to hear me right now. You want to hear my special guest. So I am just going to go ahead and I am going to introduce her and allow her to share anything that she wants to share with us. We're here. We're open. Hi, Leah. How are you? Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy being in this space with you because I also love what you're doing for other women and empowering them and lifting them up. So I feel honored to be here. So thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Listen, like I said, I was reading something and you are part of the article. And I said, this is amazing. And I went on your website. And the first thing that I saw is there is power in your story. And that did it for me right there because there absolutely is. And I think too often we're for a number of reasons, right? And it just strikes me that this month is also mental health month, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about addictions and addictions is also a part of mental health because addictions change your brain in some type of way. Correct? Am I right with that? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So go ahead, tell us about you and then start on your journey. Yeah. So thank you so much. So my name is Leah Baez, like you said, and I'm based in Omaha, Nebraska, born and raised in the Midwest. And for a long time, when I was in my early thirties, I thought I had it all. You know, I was an award-winning journalist. I was a homeowner. I was a wife. I was a mother but life can throw us the, the craziest curveballs, right? And I, my life looks upside down literally overnight. And it took me some time to realize that the reason why my life was the way it was, 
was because of my own behaviors. You know, on the surface, I was this, like I said, an award-winning journalist. I was motivated and successful. And that's the story I shared on social media. You know, I was this amazing Latina go-getter. But underneath, I was struggling. And I was struggling with an addiction to alcohol. I was struggling with, you know, really not knowing my worth and my value. Mm. I had been in abusive relationships a lot of my adult life. And I had coped with alcohol. And I didn't even go to therapy until in my 30s. And so I took time to realize that I had a childhood trauma that was really dampening my soul and holding me back from my best self. And so when I realized that trauma as a child, when I was sexually abused, when I was five years old by a distant Mm -hmm. relative, I had been carrying that for so many years. You know, I never knew that I was supposed to get therapy. I never knew that you're supposed to speak out about these things when these things happen to you, you know? So instead, when I was a young girl and a teenager, I was rebelling and I was Mm -hmm. hanging with the wrong crowds and I was dating the bad guys and I was drinking all the time and I was using drugs sometimes, you know? And so I realized though, when I started going to therapy that, oh my gosh, I pulled back the covers to realize that I had been carrying this trauma with me from my childhood through my entire life. Wow. And it wasn't until one tragic night involving my daughter, involving myself and alcohol. And if anybody wants to know the details of that tragic night, I spell it out in chapter one of my book, A Star for Stella, because I get right to the nitty gritty of my own kind of self-sabotage because Mm -hmm. I was self-sabotaging myself for so many years. But you know, it's crazy that I didn't realize that I had been carrying that trauma. And so we cope and then we change our behaviors. And you did talk about mental health awareness, you know, and how important it is. I didn't know I was supposed to get therapy. I didn't know I was supposed to talk about these things because growing up, that's not what we did. You know, being a Latina, we said we're taught to be resilient and to fight through and to be strong. And I had a conversation, a really hard conversation with my mother who was my best friend. And I'm so grateful for her support always. But I had a conversation with her about my therapy. And she says, I didn't know we were supposed to go to therapy. I never went to therapy. You know, I never even knew that I should go to therapy because I maybe don't feel right about myself or I have self-doubt or I don't see my value. And so that's not normal to talk about therapy. In fact, you know, people often say like, well, I don't have to go to therapy because I'm not like completely nuts. And it's like, that's not what that's about. And so I really had to open my eyes to see that I was standing in my own way. Mm -hmm. I was the reason that my life had taken a turn for the worse. And I had to stand up to myself. I had to be really honest with myself and say, you know, you're the reason that your life right now looks the way it does. And it was hard. It was the hardest thing that I ever had to do. I can only imagine. Yeah. You said a mouthful and everything that you were saying, I was like, she is hitting it right on the head, especially when you were talking about coping and the things that you were doing. That is so common. And we start to do things and we don't know why, because there's something deep down, you know what I mean? But all we know is we want to feel better or we don't want to feel that pain that we've been feeling for a long time. So we do whatever is just going to give us some type of relief. And in most cases, 
It's not something that makes that feeling go away 100%. It doesn't last that long, you know? And then you also talked about you were able to unveil, right? When you were able to get into it, get to the nitty gritty of what is going on. Is it the world around me or is it me? And a lot of times we don't want to look within and look at self. And that's where we need to start. So you are definitely on point with that. And I applaud you also for speaking out and saying how you were raised because, you know, you said that as a Latina, you were raised to be strong, to power through, you know, I'm a minority and I was raised the same way, but also it was said, what goes on in this house stays in this house. You don't need to go to someone else to discuss everything that's going on in your life. Some things that you need to keep to yourself, but in actuality, it's been hurting us, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. we learn from our parents and they learned from their parents. So you see how this has become a generational thing. So I'm so thankful to you because you're breaking that. Mm -hmm. If you're not breaking that for anybody else, you're breaking that for your daughter. I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. And I love that you said that because, you know, I talked to her about it, too, you know, and therapy. And I say, you know, there's nothing wrong with therapy. Like talking to someone is perfectly fine. Like if there's something going on and I even bring it up to her because, you know, her parents are divorced and we're, you know, no longer together. And so she come goes between households, you know, she's with her dad and then she's with me. And, you know, that can be a lot for a 10 year old. And so I have this conversation with her. If you ever need to talk to anybody about anything, you can talk to me, but also there's other people out there who are experts at how humans behave and how Mm -hmm. humans interact that can help you. And so she understands that. And I do make it a point to have that conversation with her simply because I never was told, you know, I was never told that. And again, it just goes back. Like my mom said, you know, she never was told that. And so Mm -hmm. it is that generational kind of, I guess, bad habit that we're in that we don't look for help. You know, we don't speak up when we feel like we need help. Exactly. And we definitely need to do that. Everybody needs a support system, even though we think that we don't, even though we think that we're okay. You know, things happen in our childhood that we just can't put our hand on it. We can't name it. You know, if you don't know what it is, how do you know how to deal with it? Mm -hmm. Right. I'll tell you kind of how I figured this out. And it was kind of like one of those moments where it was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is crazy. So tragic night turns into custody battle and divorce with my Mm ex-husband. And I end up losing custody of my daughter briefly even. So my life was completely flipped upside down, right? And that's not the life I had envisioned. You know, I mean, I that's not who I was. I was this award-winning journalist on the surface. And here I am like struggling and not even worthy to be a mother, a judge thinks, right? Mm-hmm. So in the midst of, you know, our custody battle and our daughter is going in between us temporarily even, I only got to see her a couple of days during the week during that temporary custody deal. But during that time, she would go with her father I started having these night terrors and I started having these moments of like panic attacks Mm. because she was the same age. She was five years old. And that's when that happened to me. Yeah. I started seeing that happen to her and it was like, my mind was doing this and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I would like literally be like sprawled out, like on my living room floor, my parents' house, because I had moved back in with my parents and I would just be a mess because I no longer had control. 
Yeah. And I was now worried because I remember what that was like for me as a child. And now my daughter was the same age. And so my brain started like playing tricks on me, if you will. Like I started seeing that happen to her. And so immediately I knew that I had to bring that up to my therapist and I hadn't ever really told anybody about that, except I did tell my mother when I was about 13. And at the time, the person who had did that to me was already dead. Mm. So it was like, there's nothing we can really do at that point. But going back to that, these night terrors and these panic attacks, my brain, you know, like was kind of like, wow, like my brain was putting myself back there, Mm -hmm. but it was with my daughter. And it was like the craziest thing because I almost had pushed that memory down so far. I felt like that. I just kind of left it there and buried it there. But then when my daughter was that age, it just raised to the surface. And so I immediately, I knew I had to talk to my therapist about it. And he said that that's common. You know, you were seeing that age was triggering for me because Mm -hmm. my daughter was in that same was that same age. And so it was just really bizarre. But, you know, I do believe that all had to happen the way it did because I was able to go through therapy and work on that, you know, and and heal through that. And, you know, when something like that happens, any kind of trauma, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, I feel healed. It's like, I think that we can work on our healing. And I think we, it's a process to move through it. But I don't know that ever anyone is really fully healed, you know? Well, you already said that because of the trigger, right? right? Mm -hmm. So your body is always going to take over. A lot of times you're right. We say that we healed. We already dealt with it. That doesn't bother us. But just like that, you can have a memory. You can smell something. You can be in a certain location. You can hear somebody say something and it's a trigger. It's just a mechanism that your body automatically has in reference to what do I do now? How do I protect myself? How do I protect someone that I love? So I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So this journey, you know, I believe, like I said, has kind of, it's been an eye-opening one. You know, I went from feeling like I had it all to kind of everything been thrown up, losing custody, you know, going through a terrible divorce and custody battle, moving back into my parents' house. But, you know, one thing I will say is I was able to back at home with my parents, like in a supportive environment with unconditional love. You know, I was able to really come back to who I knew I could be. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to, you know, pursue a graduate degree and go back to school. So even in the midst of a crazy divorce, I decided to go to grad school. And And I laugh now, but then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? But it's almost like I had to focus on something empowering Mm. for myself. Yeah. You know, I had to stop thinking and dwelling on all the negative. Yes, I was there. Yes, I was in this terrible time in my life, but I could still do great things. And I credit my faith. And again, I credit my family for kind of pushing me to get there, but it wasn't easy. The reason I'm telling you this is because the most incredible thing happened to me when I graduated from grad school, and this might be the story or the article you saw about my graduation, but I was selected to be the commencement speaker. And so as an award-winning journalist, I had been telling other people's stories for years, right? I had been writing stories and inspiring people with other people's story. But now for the first time, I was getting on a stage in front of hundreds of people and was going to share my own dark side. Wow. Let the skeletons out and tell everyone that I felt like I failed as a wife, as a mother. But I pushed myself to get back because... I knew I could do this. I knew I could be great still, but I had to refocus my energy, right? I had to put my mindset on something, like I said, empowering, uplifting. And for me, that was education. Education has always been a source of empowerment for me. And so I graduated and was a commencement speaker and I got on stage and bared my soul 
But I did that with hopes of people knowing that, you know, we all go through tough times, right. we all have struggles, and that we can all still do great things. And so, you know, that speech got posted on YouTube. Turns out it gets picked up by this media company called Goalcast, and they uh-huh. share social media. More than six and a half million people see my speech. I had so many messages from people all over the world thanking me for sharing my story, for opening up, for being brave because they were going through something similar. And it was just like that validation I needed to share my story more and to be okay with who I am. Like, yes, I have failed. I made big mistakes, you know, and I stuff that I would be so ashamed to talk about in my younger years. Right. But now I'm like, this is what I feel like my mission is, I feel like my mission is to show people that we can be imperfectly perfect. That's right. That is it. Mm -hmm. You know, keep and keep striving to find that best version of you. And so that has opened so many doors for me because I get speaking engagements and I just wrote my first book and it's just kind of been this whirlwind. And so when I go back, I'm the reason I mentioned this is because you mentioned on my website, there's power in your story. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit of like courage to overcome that fear of what people might think about you or, you know, what people might say, but you know, I am to the point in my life where I feel like I'm being guided. All this stuff is not a coincidence that this is purpose driven. That's it. It has guided me to where I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be. And I feel like I'm on a mission to inspire and motivate, but also just to let everyone know that it's okay to not be okay and to get help, you know, and to get help and talk about things and be empowered when you know that someone can relate to your story and you're never alone. You know, those are the key things. And I feel grateful for my struggles because I am such a better person. 30 months sober now. All right now. All right. Congratulations to you. You know, it's just like, I would not be sober. You know, I would not be where I am in my life if it weren't for those really dark times. That's awesome because, you know, our lives are a testimony for other people. So I am so glad that you said that. And you said that you went back to your faith, which is strengthening. A lot of times we stray away because we don't know how to apply it. Right. And sometimes, sometimes we got to hit low. Sometimes we hit bottom. You know what I mean? And then our faith is increased, but also we see who we really are and what we are capable of doing. You know, it is something that it happens like that in life, but you'll hear that over and over again. I think when you never have any problems, Leah, if you never hit rock bottom, as we say, you never really appreciate life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, for me, I'm going to be hundred percent honest. I see rock bottom as a launch pad. Like, let me go down there. I'm ready to shoot right up. That's it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly used to hate that term because it made me feel like rock bottom. Like, oh, am I really that bad? Did I really go there? But I'm like, look, like, look at all the incredible things that can happen when you realize your full potential in your lowest points, right? You know that you can do so much more. And so, yes, you know, rock bottom isn't so rocky, you know, it can be bad, but there's so many great things that can come out of it. Absolutely. That's why I like to say it's kind of like a launch pad because. And you being a journalist, right? 
mm-hmm. I know that you could research and you would be able to write about situations like this, but what better way to tell the story than you living it, right? Mm-hmm. So God used you. He needed you. He needed that journalist. He needed that woman that knew how to communicate. I can't even imagine what it was like when you were going through, but there's the word you went through. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing now is going to help another woman, another man, another child. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to sky is the limit mm-hmm. with who it can reach and who it can help. Right. Yes. And, you know, I like that you said that because, you know, I go back to my mom again because she's always like, I can't believe you're telling everybody this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all in court records. It's every people know the story. And, and, you know, the other thing I will say is I used to care when I was younger, like, especially in my teenage years and maybe even, you know, in my 20s, early 30s, I used to care so much about what other people thought of me. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if somebody was mad at me or they didn't want to be my friend, I was like so upset about it. And it was like, you know, I found out through therapy and stuff that I tended to be a people pleaser. And that was a trauma response. You know, I wanted everybody to like me because that was my way of responding to trauma. But now I'm just like, I don't care if who talks stuff about me or someone says something else about me, you know, because I am authentically me. I let it all out. I love that. And I don't have anything to hide. And Mm -hmm. I feel so good being me in my skin now and saying, yes, I was an alcoholic. Yes. I lost custody of my daughter. I failed as a mother. I failed as a wife, but I am thriving now. And it's because of those struggles that I know the potential I have. And I know that those were all stepping stones to get me where I'm going. Absolutely was. I love that. You are amazing. And I love that you said that you are being authentic. I love it. And that you don't owe anybody an apology. You know what I mean? None whatsoever. So I am with that all the way. Now you did speak about your book. Tell us the name of your book and where the audience can get your book. Yes. So my book is A Star for Stella. It's a mother's journey to overcome and it is available on Amazon. You can just, it's also on barnesandnoble.com. You can just plug that in Google and it'll pop right up. You know, that was kind of one of those things that one of those bucket list items that I always wanted to do. And I never knew what kind of book I would write. And it was just like, I felt like God led me to this point because again, you know, it's like all these things happen in my life. Well, now here's your book, you know, here's your opportunity to share your journey in the form of a memoir. And I'm so grateful to have that opportunity. And, you know, now I'm doing author talks and I um, also facilitate a healing through storytelling workshop and so many great opportunities. And I feel like, again, I'm being guided. Like this is like my mission, you know, is to help other people find the fantastic in their flaws, you know, and find their purpose, you know, through some of their darkest times, because that's how I found mine. You know, I found my purpose through the darkest times of my life. I love that. You said, find the fantastic in their flaws. Yes. Yes. Okay. I got to use that. That's all right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you got it. I love it. 
Listen, anytime that you have anything new that is going on or anything that you want to talk about, you are more than welcome. You are now a part of the family. I am so thankful that you had the time to come and share your story with us. I'm glad you gave the information for your book. So listeners, please go out and get her book and support her. You know, supporting her is also supporting yourself and someone that you love or someone that you know because this book is going to be very helpful. Just listening to her story of where she was and where she is today is enough to say, you know what? I am worthy. I'm worthy of change. I'm worthy of living a life that I want to live and live it in its fullest because that's a part of the problem too. When we're going through a lot of these things, we're just surviving. We're not living. And there is a difference. So again, thank you so much. Is there anything, any type of tips or anything you want to offer the audience for someone that might be going through something like you went through? Is there a couple of steps or something that you would like to tell them? If you do, feel free. Well, I do want to offer your audience a free workbook. This workbook will, they can email me for a copy. They can email me at info at Unless Sharon, you want to put that on a link or something, I can send it to you separately. But in that workbook has some of my favorite tips for, you know, breaking the habits that are holding you back. And so, you know, for me, I was, my biggest time waster was happy hours, being at the bar, you know, wanting to use alcohol as a coping mechanism. And we all know during the pandemic, we all became our own bartenders, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends were drinking more during the pandemic. A lot of people's drinking habits increased, you know, and so it's a good time to look at some of our habits. And this is for any habit though. It's not just drinking. It can be any eating, whatever, any kind of time waster that's, that's taking too much of your energy. This workbook will help you break through some of those things and also just raise awareness around how you're spending your time. So I'm happy to give that to your audience because it's been a big blessing for looking into my own life. And if you're ready to look at self and kind of unleash the best version of you, this is a great way to do it. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yes, I will put all of that information in the show notes so they will be able to connect with you. Now, I do want to ask you a quick question though. So. If you were a flower, what flower would you be? I would be a hibiscus flower because I feel like I belong in the tropical. Let me remind you that I live in Nebraska. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I also just feel like I belong in some tropical environment. So that's one of my favorite flowers and it's typically in a lot, you know, warmer climates. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I love the color. I love hibiscus. I love hibiscus Mm -hmm. tea. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much. You are always welcome. You know, just say, Hey, I got something for you. I want (laughs) to come on by. You might regret saying that. (laughs) I don't think so. I really enjoyed this and I know that is going to help so many people. So anytime you want to come back, you are more than welcome. Thank Thank you again. And I look forward to talking to you and interviewing you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leah. Take care. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Unapologetic at 50. Together, we will learn how to maneuver life's challenges 
while being our authentic selves without regret. Remember to subscribe to Unapologetic at 50 to be notified of new episodes. Don't be salty with me if you are the last to know and never apologize for being the best version of you.